hosted by Mike the Big G.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. Man, we got a great one for you tonight. Lots of guests, a lot of talking going on here. But we opened up today's show with TT Quick off their first EP, Go for the Throat. I didn't even realize, you know, Mark is the new singer for Accept right now. And Accept's original singer, Udo Dirk Schneider, is one of our guests tonight. We'll be talking to Udo in the midway of the show about 7 o'clock. But before that, in about 15 minutes... Bruce Batten from Brat and Atomic Cocktail and Cutthroat and Urban Vault and a lot of other great bands out of the days in Florida. I'm wrapping up today's show with Terry Gall from Hair Apparent. So stick around. We got a great one for you tonight. I can't believe we're already uh, past the midway point. Well, halfway point for the show for February already. We're getting ready to wrap things up in two more weeks to March. So we'll just set up our guest list for that month, and I'll let everybody know who we have on when we get a little closer to the end of the month. Well, you know what? We're going to keep the chit-chat to a minimum tonight because we do have one guest after the other calling in, and I want to get on whatever music I can in between that time. So uh, how about we do some Maniacs for you? Here's the score.
All right, a little shining blade for you there out of Italy back in the day with On the Battlefield. And On the Battlefield appeared on the second demo, the Ace of Blades demo, not on the demo, on the Battlefield. So go figure that one out. They were a pretty good band, a little a little light in the foot, you know, but not bad. Uh, I think they had one album out that came out uh, in the mid-'80s, maybe 86, 87, called Touch the Night, and that was kind of for those guys. They were around since, like, the very early-'80s, 81. Probably a very early Italian band over there. All right, let me see. Bruce is going to be calling in in about five minutes. So how about we get on a tune by one of his bands, wait for him to call in. We'll get that interview going. Then Udo Dirkschneider after that. And Terry Gall from Hair Apparent. We got a great show on for everybody today. And my, my buddy, Eamon, over there, he sent me a, a friend request for somebody the other day. He says, you know, I know you're busy. We get them on the show. So just to let you know, uh, Kevin Jackson from Blind Assassin, a few of the other guys will be on the show uh, March 1st, the first Sunday of March. So there you go. Thank you for that link. I didn't even think about reaching out for those guys because they were kind of hard to find for a long time. But uh, since the re-release of, uh, of their own material last year, uh, maybe we might get some uh, Blind Assassin going again. Who knows? We'll find out in two weeks when we talk to the guys from the band. Uh, but next week, who do we have on the show next week? We have uh, Fang von Rothenstein from Lords of the Trident. They weren't here once before. They got a brand new record coming out. Michael Lando from Adrenaline Mob. We spoke to Mike Singer Russell a few weeks back. Mike will be on next Sunday night. And uh, the guys from the Road Vikings will be on the show. A relatively new band. Uh, bringing back some of that classic, you know, rock and roll. And uh, closing out the month of February with my good friend, Doro Pesh. I love talking to Doro, man. She gets me going every time she speaks. She's so soft and, and mild like a little kitten when you talk to her. Then you get her up on stage and she's like an animal. So we'll have Doro on at the end of the month to wrap up February. All right. So let me see what I can do for everybody right now. How about we get on some uh, Warhead? A pretty good band from New York uh, back in the day. I only had one album out. Uh, I was I wanted to interview them and have them on the show, but my good friend Laurent from Snake Pit uh, was putting an interview out with them in the next issue. So I was kind of waiting for him to put the issue out before I interviewed them, not to steal his thunder because he worked hard on that interview. Uh, so I do believe that issue of Snake Pit magazine is out or about to come out, and then we will have the guys on the show. So here you go. I'm a killer.
Man, Brat with Black Widow. I was such a big fan of this band back in the day, you know, being a tape trader and all and getting those demo tapes. I was glad when the album kind of got, well, the demos were reached on an album a couple of years back. But right now we have guitarist Bruce Batten on the line. I will ask him about everything that went on back in the day and what he's doing now. Bruce, how are you? Doing good, man. What is going on? Oh, man, it's great to talk with you. Like I was saying a little while ago, you know, I was a big tape trader back in the 80s, and I remember tape trading with some pen pal I had because that's where people used to write letters to each other back in Florida. Right. And he sent me a copy of one of those tapes. I was like, wow, these guys are so good. And I've just been following you ever since then. And I was thrilled a couple of years ago. Actually, it's more than that. I think it was about 10 years ago that Sword and Stone came out. It was like kind of a, a compilation of all the demo tapes from the early days. Right, exactly. It was uh, it was uh, basically the album that we recorded. We had a got a uh, contacted by Metal Blade Records, and they wanted to do something, so we were, recorded the album on our own uh, on our own dime here at Morristown Studios, and never really got released. So that we just finally came out as Sword and Stone. <laughs> yeah, years later, but that's what better that late than never. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. 
Well, you know, I mean, Brad was around, I mean, really early on in the very early 80s, right? 80, 81, I want to say the band formed around that time. Yeah, correct. Uh, myself and the drummer were together for a long time. Um, Brad formed uh, probably 80, 81. We had a single, got signed by Par Records, went up to Atlanta, did a, eight songs. But he, only, he repressed the single and never, really never released it. That's the one everybody, that little uh, Steal Your Heart Away and yeah, recurring nightmares. Kind of, yeah, it kind of progressed through three different. As at that time, we were kind of just a hard rock band. Yeah, two guitar hard rock, and kind of just. I guess the older we got, the meaner we got, and <laughs> became <laughs> more and more. You know, by the in 1984, when this thing was done, you know, it was like really more into the Iron Maiden type stuff mode and doing a little bit, you know, heavier stuff. But just kind of progressed from there. Kind of went through three yeah. other. I mean, I was the steady guitar player, second second lead i guess I mean, we had always said somebody else played the the designated as lead guitar and i was like rhythm guitar second lead <laughs> yeah well the band was a great band i was really like looking for so much more but you know back then before like you know magazines and radio and anybody played it it was hard to find out what was going on if you didn't have a pen pal or somebody in the area you know there were a handful of fanzines out there you know it was difficult keeping track of bands that weren't from your area i mean all around the country all around the world and I remember not hearing it for a long time. And then you played with John Urban, you know, with the Atomic Cocktail. And then he had like a solo thing going or something called Urban Vault. And you actually on that with him. Was that right yeah. after Brat? Yeah, after uh, after Brat, I think he went to Cleveland, then came back. And uh, he wanted to, we had a a singer down here. He just We just all went into the studio and it was kind of more like, uh, I think we just kind of rehashed a few Brat songs with a different singer and, me playing guitar. I had another guitar player come in too. And I think we just did four songs. Urban Ball. Yeah. yeah, it was just a, we did that. And then I, I got back with the drummer from uh, Russ with, did it started, uh, actually we were called Thunder. Started off with a singer, uh, Mike McNamara, who's out in uh, Seattle right now. And then he left us and we got Todd Plant, who, Later on, went to be with Eyewitness, recorded stuff, which is, uh, and uh, then he left, and I got with Gene Adam, who was Ice Earth, and did a tape. Yeah. We never released that. We just did four songs, but uh, Atomic Cocktail was really me and Russ Hammock, and uh, you know, kind of threw, put something together, and really never released. It. And that was the thing that came out as Cutthroat. I don't know why the guy didn't uh, like the name of Atomic Cocktail, but. Uh, yeah, it's very confusing for people that didn't follow you guys, keeping track of because I always thought Atomic right. Cocktail kind of formed out of the ashes of Brett, you know, not realizing, realizing that Thunder was actually, I guess, before it, Atomic it, Cocktail. It, it, it formed out of the ashes of Brett is with me and the drummer, and but we called it Thunder. And okay. then, uh, went through some singers, and then after that left out, and then I formed the Atomic Cocktail, and I was kind of doing stuff on my own. And I actually got hooked with Gene Adam. Before I got with him, I released, I went into the studio and uh, re reproduced a, a couple of things that we did to get it up to uh, 10, 10 songs. So I could put out a, a tape of a, a, and called it Atomic Cocktail. Kind of just to, more or less, I wanted to get my guitar playing out there. Sure. And see if I could get hooked up with somebody. Which And then... Uh, 
and we en- ended up when Gene Adam contacted me, we ended up forming a band. We played around the area, did a did a quick four song little EP that we never really put out. I don't know if you ever even heard it. Probably, and, and uh, then uh, played out. We actually did a few things. Uh, we did a, a live uh, thing on on one of the radio stations here. Did an hour long set on live on, on a rock club on the Rocket Club. Uh, wish I had a recording of that. It'd be a good live album. <laughs> I can imagine. There's so much great stuff out there. A lot of people, like, you know, I, I know I have the Ultimate Metal Machine tape. I have all the Brat stuff, the Atomic Cocktail stuff, the Cutthroat. There's so many things out there. I mean, tape trading is not around anymore. People still do it with MP3s, but there are so many sites that that show just might be somewhere if you look hard enough for it. Right. I was actually thinking, it's like, man, if I could, con- I wonder if I could contact the radio station if they had. I mean, I got it on cassette tapes with people that I knew were recording it as we played it live, but it's just, you know, off yeah. the cassette, and it's kind of like, yeah, the quality is not really what I'd like to release or anything like that. <laughs> sure. Well, but, you know, you, you go back to the early days, Bruce, I mean, you know, image was just as important as the music. I mean, it was a whole visual thing back then. Oh, Today, yeah. that kind of, it doesn't exist anymore. And I really thought Brad had everything going on for him. You had great, catchy songs. You had a really cool image. What happened? I mean, did it just fall apart or were things weren't happening? Or was it just maybe the members not getting along that tore the band apart? It was, um, like you said, it was, uh, we started off as a hard rock band and actually, you know, you know, Nasty Savage from Brandon, and they were the ones, kind of the ones they were, they were out doing it. And I used to, we used to go to their shows. I'm like, man, look at those, they're building their own stuff. So we started, you know, building our own stage stuff too, and making our own clothes. And and then um, as it progressed, we got to that that third, the stage where you see the Sword and Stone album. Yeah, we had a we had contact from Metal Blade Records, and I actually had a contract in my hand. And all of a sudden, we get a mailgram from Atlantic Records saying basically who are you guys and we're like okay we never even sent them anything and they read about us in uh, metal forces over in uh we had a favorable write-up in metal forces and over in england and then so we basically from there got a manager and then that was <laughs> it <laughs> like, yeah it was like oh he's like you know basically change everything you've ever done stop doing the medieval <laughs> heavy metal stuff um and a couple of guys wanted, you know, get, wanted to just drop everything and wear bandanas and write poppy songs, and the other, all the rest of us are going. You know, this is what got us to the dance is writing about the gladiators and, you know, wearing the cool clothes and the stuff. Yeah. I mean, that stuff we all we we love doing that. I didn't. <laughs> that's why we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And so it kind of basically it got to a point, and I left, and John left, and well. The, and the drummer got kicked out, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those stories that are right there and falls apart, you know? Yeah. Believe me, it's it's more common than you think. I, I hear it all the time. People think that are like these big, you know, battles between band members, and uh, sometimes it's not that. It's just as simple as, uh, just you know, things just not working out and going wrong, and everybody's saying we had enough and thrown in the towel. I mean, that's a, it's a common tale out there. Right there, and you kind of get after doing it so long. I guess some people get impatient and want to just, you know, people people are telling you to do this, people are telling you to do that, and if you don't have the thing to stick to your guns and just do it the way you yeah. want to, it ends up falling apart, and it, you know, 
Yeah, and you know, you guys were out very early on in, in the in the scene here in America when it really hadn't taken off yet. It really didn't have the popularity that came about by the time you guys broke up. It was at, almost at its pinnacle. But all those years before then, you guys were pretty much fighting in a scene that really didn't exist yet. Yeah, it was. I mean, it started happening around town. You know, Nasty Savage and 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 uh, Sabotage, they're called Avatar, yeah. and Crimson Glory was around, and Rock's Gang. And there, there's Plus, there was a good, you know, club scene, which was just cover bands, which we didn't, I didn't really get any, do any of that stuff. We didn't really play covers. We just did our, our showcases and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, we could go out and spend the whole day setting up the stage and lights and everything, you know, doing it upright, putting on the biggest show that we could. And, uh, True. Yeah, I guess well, at that time, and it seems like some of the other bands that were around the same time, everybody they got hooked up and took it, you know, like Sabotage and Crimson Glory, and we went down. <laughs> yeah, knows hey, it are. happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you if you ask anybody today, like, you know, tell me about Florida metal. First thing everybody's going to say is death metal. It's the death metal capital of the world, Florida. But, right. you know, long before death metal took off, Florida, like I said, had yourself, Sabotage, Crimson Glory. There were a ton of great bands that came out of the area. And then bands like right. Possessed and Morbid Angels started taking off, and people were, it was known for that. But right. for bands playing traditional metal or power metal or, you know, heavy metal, was it hard when that started to take off and kind of that's what everybody expected Florida to be like? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a. Uh different scene like i'm not really uh, i'm into more melodic and stuff that's more musical and then you got so you, most of metal was going that route you know most of the people who liked heavy metal are going that route and then on the other hand welcome to america you got country and rap you know so I was like, well, yeah I was, I was told a lot of times hey you're caught in the middle you know you're nobody's you know, i'm in that one little area that nobody cares about anymore you know it's like musical heavy metal <laughs> but i i don't know just gotta do what you i'm gotta do what you like and i'm I'm actually got a new new project going it might still That's be great. called atomic cocktail i got a writing i got a drummer writing partner and i mean i'd like to send you some of the stuff just to hear what you oh think. yeah i would love to hear to, it i'm actually singing lead on it and playing guitar and i got uh we might i want to try to get into more stuff with a little bit, bit of keyboards where it's almost in a little industrial like rammstein or or um, oh nice and uh or five finger death punch or something like that where they got a little bit of a little bit of keyboard but still basically the guitar but i'll, I'll like to send you some stuff i get your address or something we can just, just I'll definitely, just I'll definitely give it to you after the show. I would love to check that stuff out and uh, see what you're up to today. And, I mean, you know, you're talking 25, 30 years since, you know, the old days and influence change, music changes. Uh, did you, What was the last band you played in before you just packed it away? Or have you kept playing throughout the last two decades or was Atomic Cocktail kind of like, you know, the last hurrah? It was when I was with Gene that was, then I kind of decided I, I got out of it for a little while. Well, just, you know, decided okay i gotta get a job and do stupid things like buy a house or <laughs> but, but uh you know stuff like that and then uh but then you know got a house set up a recording studio in it and here i go again yeah. and i'm i'm still playing around town doing doing a few cover projects just to you know make have fun make some money but i've been writing and recording on my own like you know basically doing all the instruments by myself 
but I'm yeah. trying to find some, finally like I said, finally found a partner, and we're going to try to put something back together to bring the show back, and it's going to be basically, basically, you know, original metal, see what happens, I mean. Yeah, Man, like that's going to be fantastic. But, you know, you well, know the way this business you know. is. I mean, in the 80s, I mean, if you wanted to be in a band and you had a chance of making it and making it a career, you had to go all in. I mean, you really couldn't do it half fast. That was the only way to do it. You had to kind of live in that van, travel around, do without. And, you know, you either worked or it didn't. But today it's like a different environment for music. It's There's like a one in a billion chance of making it like to the big leagues today because there's no more album sales. It's, you know, it's right. it's just hard all around. But in a way, is right. it better for bands where they say, you know what, we've we've been there, we've done that, now we're having fun, and like kind of that pressure is off of like trying to, you know, be the next Black Sabbath or Ryan Maiden. Nah, I love the eighties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I love the love. That was just such a good time. Just the, the just uh, putting on just putting on the show, being part of the scene, and and being in band back then was almost like you were part of a gang. You know, we were like, you know, the, sure. we, the band hung out together when we weren't playing. We were out in the club seeing other bands, but we were all, all of us were there, you know, and, you know, making the scene. And now it's just hard to to do that because everybody's got their jobs and families, you know. So, it's, I mean, basically it's probably still happening if you're younger, but, you know, at this point, you know, I'm slightly older. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm in know. the same boat as you. I know how you feel. <laughs> I know. So yeah. You, you know, got the house payment, can't really roam around Still got all my guitars though. Haven't gotten rid That's of them. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. It, it is hard. It is a young man's game when you want to go all in when you have nothing to lose. But as you get all the, you know, your priorities do change and it gets harder. But you know, as long as you're out there making music and having fun and, and getting to enjoy it again, that's all that matters. You love music. You love heavy metal. That's what you got to do. I mean, I still got my Flying V. Still got my Marshall. Still, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, and, you think you might try to uh, record again? I mean, or even like oh, yeah. go back into some of the older catalog and maybe re-record some of the older stuff or remaster it? No, um, I definitely want to record, but I got so many new ideas, and that's why I finally, like I said, I'm glad I hooked up with a, uh, somebody who's going to help me, like a writing partner. Yeah. I mean, I got hundreds of, I got at least three albums worth of stuff just on my own that wow. nobody's, nobody's heard yet, because I've continued to write and and hopefully progress and i've actually gotten in like basically being a lead singer too a little which i didn't really plan on but it's hard to find that that front man anymore so kind of that's what i'm really want you know i'm also i'll send you some stuff and like here i like to get some feedback of what you think anyway and and um, yeah, absolutely but um definitely want to put out a tape and even if i can find a publisher and and write for other bands that'd be fine too just a being like being in, involved in music, you can't get it out of your blood once you get it in there. It's impossible. Nah, it's something you're born with, I guess. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, is that is that the hardest it. part? Is finding guys to play with out there that kind of have the same vision as you and want to, you know, go in the same direction? Yeah, I guess it always was, but it seems harder now. I mean, in in this area, there's a certain amount of players. They all know each other, and then there's a bunch of drunks. There's a bunch of drunks <laughs> who maybe own some. <laughs> some stuff and think they can play <laughs> there's a lot of that around but it's <laughs> it's rough yeah <laughs> trust me <laughs> i yeah, guess it always I was fun, tough finding the right yeah. people i mean it seems like we'd audition for people for a seemed like we'd be auditioning for a year even back in the day you know to find the right person but 
it took us a long time to put Brad together. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine finding the right people, you know, making it work. Because, I mean, you'll see bands today, they have members all over the country, all over the world. They don't even rehearse, they just send MP3 files back and forth. And, you know, when you listen to some of these albums, sometimes you would never know that these guys never even met each other. They just, you know, did their own parts and played. But there is something for that camaraderie that, you know, when you're in the studio with guys and you're playing together, you want to tweak and change things around, you could do it right there and not wait a week for five different guys to get MP3s and work out their parts. Right. Right, exactly. I mean, like I was together with the drummer of Brat for, I want to say, close to eight years, and we didn't even have to. We knew how each other was going to play. I mean, he could, yeah. my stupid guitar part rhythm parts or something, he knew what to do, and I, I knew when he was going to hit a cymbal. I mean, I didn't have to look at him. I knew, I knew it was coming. You know, <laughs> just, it just, you know, yeah, you you know. Get to, and it was like tight. You know, we got, we could... Basically, um, you know, I don't think anybody, if we, if we made a mistake when we played, nobody heard it but the band. Sometimes the band didn't even hear it. <laughs> True. It was very tight and just, you know, playing playing live is part of it, man. Just yeah. I love, I love well, it. I know, I, know you, I know you said that you like, you know, you had that gang mentality back then where the band hung out together. They did, you know, they played together. I mean, how was the club circuit back then? It must have been pretty good in, in the mid 80s. In Florida, like you said, you had Nasty Sat. I mean, Nasty Ronnie's a character all onto himself. You know, I, I love Ronnie. He's been in the show yeah. plenty of times before in the past, and cool. we had like a, yeah. a really good scene going back then. Oh, it was, it was incredible. It was, there was at least three clubs that were the size of of a Win Dixie. They were so huge, and they wow. were packed. I mean, there's there was a place called Mark Twain's. You'd go there any night of the week, and it was just packed. You can eat, and it was humongous. And then there was these other B and C circuit, smaller clubs around, and basically that's all that's left now is you know, after they raised the drink, Ronnie Reagan, or whatever, yeah. raised the drinking yep. age or whatever. It's it's just it was it's gone. There's like the B and C circuit. That's it. Yeah, you know, they're, those, they're not even they're not even making you know they're not even making it too much anymore. Those were the days where you can go into some store in the neighborhood and get a fake college ID and walk in any club you wanted to and go to yeah. any band. It didn't, didn't make a difference. And then, even there was there was club bands back then like I, people they would tour up like I remember a band called Mannequin they were I think from Virginia and they would tour down here and those guys were better than anything that you'd ever hear on the radio <laughs> they're great yeah. you know it just yeah, it was, the, the it was good times so there yeah yeah you know, th- there are so many bands out there today too but finding them and, 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 and going through all the shit on Facebook and MySpace, it's almost impossible. So, so many great bands go unrecognized where back in the day where you didn't have an, the internet and you were kind of local. I think bands, you know, were more recognized back then for what they were doing than it is today. It was easy to find them or hear about them. You're making a scene, but everybody knew about each other. And it's like, yeah, you know, there's on the radio stations down here, nobody plays anything new. It's like classic rock, you know, 40 year old song. There's no, there's new bands. You got to, scour youtube or something and who's this band i never heard of them check it out and because there's there's nothing there's no radio playing it here in florida around this area anyway true maybe if you're la or new york or something there is but not here no not here either it's almost impossible for for new bands to get any kind of recognition you know it's it's crazy i mean most of it is like through the internet today or or websites and stuff like that it's just it's a different world a different environment yeah and actually, you you contacted me. It's got me. It was like, wow, you know, basically we used to, we did it all like writing letters in the underground. We sent all our letters and tapes over to Europe and just constantly yeah. did that as as part of our being in a band. And that's how 
we kind of got a following over in Europe back in the day, you know, so I get yeah. on the horse again, you know, maybe uh, shows like yours and stuff like that, I get get the scene going again, you know, <laughs> who knows, you know. I've been trying for seven years, so far I haven't had any success, but <laughs> we keep on plugging away, <laughs> hopefully it'll happen, <laughs> you never know. Hey, but, but Bruce, hey. I'm going to have to cut you off because I got Udo coming on in a few minutes, and those little Germans, they get crazy when you make them wait. Hey, just in side note, Bad Blood was inspired by Balls to the Wall, <laughs> the guitar player. Ah, ah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I, fucking, I love Accept. I love Udo. Thanks for having yeah. me on. Hey, it's my pleasure, enjoyed, Bruce. And, um, I will. Thank you very uh, much. We're going to get us some atomic cocktail next before he comes. All right. Thank you, man. All right, you take care. Thank you. Bye. Bruce Batten Bye. from Brat and Atomic Cocktail and Cutthroat and a lot of other bands. Great musician. I'm hoping for a lot more from him in the future. How about we give you a little... Let me see what I got lined up. How about Metal Rage is on? There you go. Sweet. <laughs>
Man, that stuff is so good. No, there's nothing like it. Atomic cocktail with metal rages on. I hate rushing through the guests, but we got three of them tonight and next week. So we kind of got to keep the interviews to about 20 minutes to give everybody a fair shot and talk. Uh, you know, I'm not going to play any except on the show because everybody interviews Udo plays except. Uh, so how about we do some Raven? Udo produced this album by Raven. They did a couple of tracks together. And uh, this is Born to be Wild. So we'll get that on and we'll go right into the interview with Udo Dirk Schneider. Udo, how are you? This is Mike. 
fun. Thank you very much. Everything is uh, yeah, so far everything's good and fun. Um, I'm glad you made it in. We had a little bit of bad weather this week. Yeah, but New York City was okay. I mean, but the only thing was uh, when I came from South America, uh, there was nearly two that they closing the, the, the airport. But the rest, and I mean, they was uh, expecting more snow and storm here in New York City, but it's, that, that's normal. Like in Germany, a normal winter day and snow. That's right. We're, we're used to that kind of weather. Yes, I'm used to that. <laughs> That's good. Hey, well, I'm glad that you did make it back to New York and the U.S. It was great having you back here two years ago, you know, with the Steelhammer record, being the first time yes. you were back in the U.S. in probably 10 years. Yeah, after a long time. I was here the last time together on tour with uh, Saxon in 2002 or something like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it took a while to come back to, to the U.S., you know, there was no record deal behind me, a record company. Uh, the offers for to do two here in, in the U.S. was not so good, so there was no reason to come for me to over to the U.S. So, and then uh, AFM supported us with the Steelhammer album, and also now they have an office here and, and doing quite well in, in the U.S. So, and then we said, okay, we try. Uh, doing some shows here, and I think we did 10 or 12 shows here in the U.S. with the Steelhammer album, and it worked out quite well. So, and uh, here we go with the new album, Decadent. Definitely we do come back to the U.S. between September and December for a longer tour. Uh, that's going to be great. I guess, like you say, uh, it's really important to have, you know, uh, people supporting the band, whether it's a record label or management, to kind of make things happen and get the band over here. It's not as easy as people think. It's not so easy. Well, let's say it was not so easy without all these things, you know. So, But now we got a co-management here in, in America. We a record company is doing fine here. So... It's uh, in a way much easier to do a tour here. Yeah, and that's good too. And you know, the one thing about Udio that that's been a big thing for fans is that you've been very consistent over the last thirty years. I mean, every two years, we you know we're going to get a new record, and you, we know what we're going to get, and you give the fans what they want. Is it important to keep putting out new music? Because a lot of bands today, they don't even want to record anymore, or they wait five, six, seven years between albums. You keep putting them out one after the other on a pretty, you know, consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, what, what can I say? I mean, I still uh, still love to do uh, new records, uh, composing new songs. I love to be on tour. For me, it's, it's still fun uh, to do this, you know. And uh, uh, we are always... Um, uh, yeah, writing songs uh, in 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 between. We always uh, yeah working on on something, you know, and that uh, keeps you in a way young. Let's say in this way. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, this is the second record now. You know, without Stefan in the band, you guys have been together for so long. You know, as writing partners and players, was it hard? You know, transitioning to like a different guitar player because you have two new players in the band now. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, I mean, Stefan, uh, for, him, for him it was not possible to be on tour anymore, you know, about yeah. his back uh, problems and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, for me it was like, when I started with Steelhammer, for me it was like step into cold water, you know. I didn't, I didn't want to have any big name producer or stuff like that. 
So, but then I said, okay, I do it on my own together with Fiji. We know that did the steal and my album. I was uh, writing the songs together with Fiji for the first time, and it worked out very well. And I'm, I'm was really lucky to find for the my album, uh, Andreas Nenos, the Russian guitar player. He was doing then in the end all the guitar work on on this album. So now with the new album, Decadent of the Country, the guy from Heike Hekinen from 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 uh, from Finland. So now these these two guys, I mean, what can I say? They, they did the great guitar work on the on the Decadent album, and also they uh, yeah came up with really really good ideas. So after a really long time since they kept time, it was uh, uh, composing like you know we do we did everything together as a band, you know, and that's uh, I think. Um, we can hear it on, 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 on the new album, Decadent, definitely. Yeah. Well, when you bring new people into the band, especially guitar players, you know, they want to express themselves, you know, in their own style, but yet they kind of have to follow what was done on the albums before them because the fans want to hear those songs the way they used to be. So is, is it hard kind of letting them express themselves in their own way on the older material? Uh, no, I mean uh, they they know everything, you know, about all the their YouTube opens and yeah, I mean it's everything is easy going. Yeah, I mean being that you know, I mean it's a band, it's a democracy, but you are you know the main person in the group. Uh, is, is it hard to like kind of let go of control for other people to get involved in everything, or do you like having like you know you being the person that it ends with? No, I mean I'm. Uh, I see everything more as a band, you know. I mean, I'm not a dictator and say we have to do this and this and this, you know. I mean, I'm always open-minded for fresh ideas or maybe also for business stuff, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see, see it more uh, as, a, as a band and also the people what I have around me is, is a really, really good team what I have together, also business-wise. So, I mean, yeah. I'm not the guy who said, ooh, I'm the, I'm the one and only, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, for a long time, a lot of the early albums were really hard to find, especially here in the U.S., uh, but everything's been being reissued over the last few years, and, and it's given the people a chance to get those old albums again and the newer fans. So has it helped the band out where people can now get the back catalog a lot easier? Yeah, I mean, of course, if you uh, if, if you bring out the back catalog, you know, and I mean, there is, I can only just talk for, for Europe, but there is a new generation uh, at the moment for this kind of music uh, in, 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 in Europe. Uh, this kind of music is yeah, huge again in, in Europe, and I hope they will be the same in, in, in the, at the U.S., you know. I mean, uh, I think that I believe there's still a lot of... Uh, uh, heavy metal fans uh, uh, in, 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 in the, at the U.S. So, I mean, hopefully we can stay, come back to this kind of music. Yeah, I hope so, too. I mean, when you started putting, uh, you know, the old albums together again for the reissues, did you catch any songs that you used to play years ago that you haven't played now and said, how come we're not doing those songs anymore? Maybe you start adding them into the set again? Uh, can you say it again? I didn't get it. Uh, uh, with the old uh, with the old albums being reissued now and you going through those old albums all over again, were the old songs yeah. that you used to play live that you haven't played in a long time that you say, you know, how come we're not playing that? Let's maybe add it back into the live set. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course. Ah, yeah, 
Yeah, they're not. You know what you mean. And no, I mean, you know, when when, when I start touring, you know, let for example with the Decadent tour, I mean, I play uh, definitely seven, eight, nine songs, and then uh, uh, maybe two or three songs of a Steelhammer album, and the rest will be a mixed up, you know. But uh, it, it's very hard if you have so many albums out, you know, to 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 make a set list <laughs> for life. I mean, this is is really hard and. Uh, but I try always to make it keep it interest keep it interesting. So I mean, if you have so many songs, yeah, you can not satisfy everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I remember back in the early eighties when Except first came to the US and you played at Lamore in Brooklyn. And what an amazing show that was. And I was thrilled when the band kinda of got back together in the mid nineties, but I was also disappointed because I thought Time Bomb was such a great record. And then, like, you know, the band got put on hold for a couple of years for the Accept reunion. Did you, when you look back at it now, did you regret maybe doing that or not sticking with the solo stuff? Because you were on such a rollback then. There was a big gap before, you know, the next record came out. Yeah, I mean, we did a reunion. I did a reunion with Accept uh, for three albums, but I started in 92 until 96. But, you know, what can I say about this? This is history. It doesn't work out again. <laughs> I tried my best. Maybe they tried also their best. But, you know, the, the same shit was happening at, uh, at, in, in 86 after the Russian Roulette album. And, uh, yeah, and then I started with UDO again. Uh, I mean, I was quite successful with UDO when, when, when the Time Bomb album came out, you know. Uh, but, you know... I don't want to think about this anymore. You know, this is history. Maybe it was wrong. Maybe it was right. <laughs> Never know. And um, you know, I mean, after I start again with UDO together with Stefan Kaufmann, I mean, we yeah, with every album we're getting a little bit. Uh, with each album is getting a little bit better with UDO, you know. And now, I mean, with the new lineup what I have now, with these two guitar players. And, um, I mean, what can I say? I can tour worldwide. I think uh, I'm quite successful with UDO. And, uh, yeah, I'm really happy as, as, as it is, like, uh, in a moment. Yeah. yeah when, the, when the band did come back with the solid record in 1997, the, the whole music yeah. scene was, in, it was a different environment. When you left it with the UDO and with Time Bomb, heavy metal was still a really big music. By 97... Grunge kind of took over. People weren't really listening to it anymore. Was it hard trying to reestablish the band again when the climate yeah. was different? Yeah, I mean, that, that starts in the middle of the 90s, 95. There was, you know, all this Nirvana thing and going on, all this grunge music, and metal was, uh, in a way, underground. Uh, that yeah. was not so easy to start again with UDO when, when I came up with, with a solid album. It took, it took a while until the Holy album, you know, and then... Yeah, this kind of music was back uh, so. And now, I mean, this kind of music in, 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 in Europe, and I mean, also now, you know, we have more countries like Russia and all the Eastern countries. Now they're open-minded now for this kind of music. They open up. So there is a huge life uh, market going on in, 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 in all these countries. So, and also, I'm going to for the last three, four years now, it's a there's a young generation, a new young generation coming up. They listen to this kind of music, you know. 
So sure. I see that in the, at the concert, you know, a lot of young people now coming to the concert. It's good to see. So this, that means this uh, music um, is still alive. Absolutely. I mean, have you seen how things have changed over the last 30 years? Because when you first got started, every band wanted to, you know, break out in America or in the UK, and you kind of had to learn a new language and, and kind of fit the band into, like, a different country. Now, today, it seems like everything or the, the biggest part of metal and music is over in Europe, especially Germany. Yeah, definitely Germany is a really, really big market for, for, for this kind of music. But also, you know, Spain and uh, Scandinavia is also a big market. And for us, you know, with UDO, uh, all the Eastern countries are a huge market for us, you know, especially Russia. And, uh, yeah, what can I say? I mean, hopefully when I come on tour in uh, at the U.S. between September and December this year, hopefully uh, a lot of people coming to the show. I think it'll be there, especially with the new record. It's really a solid album, a great follow-up to Steelhammer. I know last year you were working with that brass orchestra doing like this, this symphony stuff, and you also went out on your own with with a few other people doing like the heavy metal uh, orchestration stuff. Is that something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I changed a lot of things in, in a way. But um, you know, in the end, heaven was a little bit, little bit too much in in in, uh, in computer uh, stuff. And uh, for me, it was very important. Also with Shilem, and now also with the new album Decadent, I have to do a face-to-face recording. You know, and that was, and I think especially on the new album, you can hear that. Yeah. Did you th- do you think you work with an orchestra again in the future, and maybe do a whole record? Uh, no, it's, uh, we did a show last year in, 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 in Germany, and it was, uh, it was recorded and, and filmed. So in July, it's coming out uh, a DVD and a CD live, DVD live CD from this, uh, from, uh, of this concert. So, yeah, that, just, that was something special, you know, you know um, um, a dream coming true. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, but it's 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 not a normal orchestra, you know, but like a symphony orchestra. It's more, it's just only brass orchestra, you know. It's more it's more heavy, and uh, yeah. yeah, you you will you will be surprised when you when the, the thing comes out. I'm looking forward to hearing that. But when you when you try to work the songs into a brass orchestra, there's a lot. Is there a lot of things that have to be changed in the song? To keep it, you know, to make it sound different, or do you try to keep the sound in the same way with just them, like you know, accompanying you on the bat in the background? Yeah, no, we did also some different arrangements. You know, that was not like okay, uh, we do the the songs like 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 the songs are and put some some orchestra over it. No, we did also some uh, different arrangements, and then we we have to listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, what do you have coming up soon? I, I know you're heading out, I think, uh, next month in March. Uh, you start going out all over the world on tour, right? Yeah, we start in March uh, for the first part of the European tour until the middle of May. Then we do a lot of festivals over the summer. We do also another concert with a military orchestra in Wacken. Uh, but this is a little bit different than what we did on the, on the Steelhammer tour. There is uh, like now... 100 people on stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, and then we start touring again in September. So what I said before, between September and December, there will be uh, the tour at the U.S. and Canada. 
Sergei Bambi has to do the second part of the European tour. They have to go to South America, Japan. So that leaves will be until the end of 2015. You keep him busy. Hey, no, I, I just read that your son is actually playing out with Saxon right now. He's filling in on drums for Saxon. Yeah, I mean, so he was a drum roller also on Chile Mature with UDO, and then um, he did a quite good job, and then, you know, some people said, hey, Saxon is looking for a drum set, and uh, yeah, he was a drum set in Saxon on a European tour, but then Nigel, the drummer of Saxon, he had a, how do you call it, a vein was exploding in the brain, yeah, and uh, so he, so they had to cancel five shows in at the UK, UK. Oh, and now they settled the, 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 the show. And I was a little surprised that Nigel said, yeah, send to do the job for me. And also this said, yeah, he's a, he's a good drummer. So, and he is going on Saturday to the UK, rehearsal two days with Texas, and he'll be going to the, the five shows in at the UK. So... Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> good for yeah, good for you. <laughs> hey, well, look, it was great talking with you today. The new record, Decadent, is out now on AFM Records. And I'm looking forward to seeing you when you come back uh, to the U.S. at the end of the year. Okay. The best See of you, luck with the record. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Come and 
There you go, Brandon Wudo, The Meaning of Life off the Decadent Record out on AMF Records right now. You can go and pick yourself up a copy of that anytime you have about 10 extra bucks on you. Great album. And he's put out one good album after the other for the last 20-something years. You know, uh, I was glad when he got back together with Accept, but I also like the solo stuff at that time, so I was kind of like torn between the two. Uh, but he went back to his solo career, thank God. And uh, you know what? Except sound great today with Mark on vocals. So we kind of got the best of both worlds right now. We've got two really good bands out there. And obviously, there's still a little bad blood between them. You know, and uh, he's done a, quite a few interviews with Udo, you know, with his new record where he's come out and talked about the band. So I didn't even want to mention Except because I did a whole Except thing with him the last time he was on the show. So I figured we'd keep it just about the solo record this time around. All right. Terry from Harry Panther is going to be calling in in a few minutes. So let me get on a tune by the band uh, before he does. Uh, we'll talk with him, play some more music, and we'll wrap up today's show for everybody. So here's Crossing the Border.
right, heir apparent. We're crossing the border. We'll wait for Terry to call in in a couple of minutes, and we'll talk to find out what's going on with the band. I know they have a Kickstarter campaign going on right now, and uh, we'll talk to them about that and everything else since kind of reuniting back in it was 2000. Uh, when they first uh, put this thing back together. So we'll find out what's going on with those guys in a little bit. Uh, I was just looking on uh, Brave Words, where I go for all my metal news, never my blabber mouth. And uh, I was seeing that Brett Michaels did a whole bunch of Poison songs during his uh, solo tour. Uh, I don't know why he just doesn't go out there Poison and do them. They are together. They are active. I guess he feels it's easy to do it that way, or maybe he gets a bigger cut of the money by not having to pay the rest of the guys. <laughs> I have no clue, but there really isn't much too much going on in the metal world these days. Uh, Ron Keel is heading over to Pennsylvania for his only East Coast appearance at the Pennsylvania Coin-Operated Gaming Hall of Fame. I think uh, Speed Demon and uh, Star Wars and uh, Missile Command being entered into the Hall of Fame this year. I'm not too sure, but he's uh, going to be performing at that. So I guess that's a new step in his career. We're actually supposed to have Ron on this month, but something happened. I don't remember what and why it didn't take place, but I'll reach out to him again, and uh, maybe it'll happen next month in March. This year is just flying by so far. So many great new records have come out already. We have a whole bunch more down the pike. I, myself, I haven't stopped playing the new Venom record. I mean, you're never going to recapture that classic, you know, Welcome to Hell, Black Metal, at War of Satan vibe. But this album comes pretty close, I have to admit. It's definitely got that old school uh, kick to it. It's really good. Uh, I just started going through the the new uh, Blind Guardian record. I haven't really latched on to it yet. It's the same with the new Trauma record. There's some good tunes on there, but it hasn't really grabbed me. Uh, but, you know, if I, if I play it long enough, I find more and more songs that I like and I kind of enjoy. Uh, so I'm going to keep on doing that. The new Scanner really kills. That's a great record. Uh, definitely enjoying that one. Uh, I know we played a song last week. If I have time today, I'll get another one on. We'll see what happens. Uh, not, much, not much else going on here. You know, Tommy's taking the month off because we're so overloaded with guests. Uh, we really wouldn't even have time to talk to each other. Plus, like I said last week, he's out celebrating Black History Month. Uh, so we're going to let him get to that. He's very, very pro-Black Tommy. He wanted me to pick cotton out of an aspirin bottle. But that's my partner in crime over there. But we'll have him back on the week after next uh, when Doro comes back. Because I know he kind of likes Doro himself. Ian has mentioned the Night Demon record. The new Di Night, Night Demon is a really solid album, too, I have to say. We had them on the show a few weeks ago. They're a bunch of cool guys. All right, you know what? Let's get on one more tune while we're waiting. I'll try to find something pretty short. Uh, that way we don't have to make uh, Terry wait when he does call in. How about we do some Abattoir? This comes off an album that was released a little later on. The band had already been broken up at this time, and I think basically this was a, a demo. Features Steve Gaines back on vocals, and Steve is in Anger is Art, and they're working on a brand-new record, which I know we're going to get this year, and hopefully some more appearances out and around the country for everybody to catch these guys. They really are a great act, but here's Abattoir, Process Elimination.
right, there you go, Abattoir. The reason Terry didn't call in is because I was supposed to call him. He just reminded me. <laughs> All right, so let's get Terry on the line. Let's get this interview going, find out what's going on in the world of Air Apparent. Hey, Mike. Hey, Terry, how are you? You're on the air live. Great. Yeah, I'm doing hey, it's good. It's a pleasure. I'm glad, man. Listen, I'm a fan. I remember getting that first demo tape back in 1984, man, being blown away by it. And 30 years later, I mean, you know, it's still relevant. It's still popular. And people want more hair apparent. Isn't that impressive? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, very flattering on this end. Uh, it's great to have you back. I mean, actually, you, you kind of put it back together like in 2000, almost 15 years ago, didn't you? Yeah, we got uh, we we got an offer to reissue uh, reissue the first album and put out some demos back in uh, 1999, and then we uh, we got invited to go play Wacken. So. Um, Put the guys together, and uh, we couldn't find uh, either one of the original vocalists. So, the drummer and bass player uh, had a friend learn the songs, and and we went over there and did that. And then when I got back home, then I was able to run into uh, run into Paul Davidson from the first album, and uh, and then we tried to put some things back together, and and uh, hit and miss for for a few years, and, uh, and finally had a band uh, able to go back over to Europe in 2006. Yeah. Well, vocalists seem to always been a problem with the band. You've gone through, I mean, you've given the careers to a lot of vocalists out there. Was it hard for, trying to find somebody who just maybe had the voice that you were looking for, or was it a matter of dedication to the band or, or the same vision? Well, a lot of it, I think, is just uh, uh, that the, the ability to be able to cover what had already previously been done. I mean, it, yeah. you know, uh, there's very few people on the planet that can sing like Steve Benito on the second album. And finding somebody that can do that uh, for an entire hour, enough to play a show, is 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 a big deal. I mean, there's a lot of guys that can do one or one or two or three songs, and uh, and then they start they start blowing their voices out. So it's been difficult to find somebody who uh, who had the ability to do material from both albums, and and had the endurance uh, to be able to continue doing it, and at the same time, living in the Seattle area, so that we can actually rehearse and and write and and you know band i i've uh, i've tried a lot of these things where you exchange files on the internet with people and you know it's just it's never quite the same vibe you know you, you need five guys in a room to really to really feel it right and and let things gel you know uh, absolutely i like i was saying earlier we we've seen so many bands like that they'll put out a record and you know you might not know the difference by listening to the album but it, it doesn't it doesn't have that same feel it really doesn't because when you want to tweak it change things around and the guys are right there with you it's easier to work out a part than sending something out letting them change and then it comes back and, and it has to be difficult and it has to really be annoying as a musician where you just want to get out there and play and jam it it's kind of like it, it kind of takes out the part of being in a band yeah, for me, the you know the whole uh, the whole idea is to go play live, right? But I really enjoy yeah. the vibe in a rehearsal, and there's just nothing like having guys in the same room, playing off each other's ideas and being inspired by what everybody's doing. You know, um, that's uh, that's one of the things that I really remember that, about the old days that I that I miss so much is the idea that you know you're looking across the room at everybody and you've got eye contact and you got that grin on your face when you're when you're on to yeah. something, you know, <laughs> and uh, you. You can't do that over the internet. It just doesn't work. 
it's true. It really is. And I tell you, you're talking about like the singing, like, you know, having to recreate what was done before them. And I never even realized that how difficult that must be because is it more so like for, for your sake? Cause you want to hear it that way. And we know, I know as a fan, when I'm in the audience, I know members change, you know, things happen, you know, and I appreciate the music. And I, I do get a little disappointed when they can't hit a note that really makes that song what it is or they don't deliver a line the right way. So I do want to hear it the same, but I know it's not going to be the exact same because that's impossible. So is it like, is it a twofold thing where you want it for yourself because you want to hear it the way you wrote it and you want the fans to have that experience of, you know, what the original song was like? Well, yeah, I, I think that, if, you know, if you're going to go play live, uh, you might as well try to reproduce the album, uh, whatever you've recorded as well as possible. And, you know, and I know that there's always going to be some difference, you know, um, but there are key points, like you were saying, there's key points where you expect, you know, and the audience expects that they're, they're going to hear somebody uh, nail the note they're supposed to hit. And, you know, I've, I've had two or three different versions of, of reformed bands that had, that had good vocalists. And uh, it's just, if you're if you're not giving the fans what they expect, then you know they're disappointed. They're spending good money to see you play live. They've waited a long time, and you want to be able to deliver. You know, you want to be able to give them what, you know, more than what they expect. And uh, it's just like I said before, it's just it's difficult finding somebody that can handle these songs and at the same time, sure. you know, do a full hour or or even nine ninety minute show if we're going to do material from both albums. So, you know, it's. I, I I'm still trying. I'm still uh, sure. still looking for that possibility. And uh, matter of fact, trying to get Paul Davidson, uh, you know, after all these years, um, back to the point where he can do a whole hour and a half himself. Um, and it's a hard thing to do, especially you know when when everybody's over fifty at this point. Uh, <laughs> you know, being able <laughs> to hang in there and, and uh, build up the endurance and uh, and pretend like you're 25 again you know but we're yeah. all uh, we're trying to do it you know we're we're giving it our best shot and and we've got a little bit of time to prepare so um you know hopefully uh, hopefully we'll be able to make that happen soon i hope so i mean you know the expectations you have today in 2015 the same as what you had say 1985 or are you looking at it in a whole new way now because it, it is a whole new uh, industry you know compared to what it was in the 80s but music is still music yeah, music's still music, but at this time, you know, we everybody's got, uh, you know, got family lives and responsibilities and kids and whatnot. So uh, we don't have nearly as much time to dedicate to anything. So it's a matter of, uh, uh, on one hand, it's good that the material's written uh, for the sake of playing shows. It's a matter of just learning it, rehearsing it, getting it tight, and uh, and being able to reproduce it. Um, we're going to have to put a lot more time into into new material you know if that's if that's on the horizon to dedicate the time to, to really do that and i've been wanting to do that for a long time but again it takes you know it takes at least three or four other people so um i guess to to cut to the chase it's it's different than it used to be uh <laughs> there's yeah there's just a lot less time that you can really put into it and you know the the idea of the record business has totally changed. There's not uh, there's not financing to to basically live while you're writing or rehearsing or having tour support or anything like that. So shows are few and far between, and it's it's a situation where uh, you know they cover expenses and we show up and play, and uh, it's like a trade off. You know you uh, you get us there, 
and we'll play the show, and you guys can make your money, and we'll have some fun and, and go back home. So, yeah. You know, there, there's, a, there's a little bit of money you can make now and then selling selling material, but it's, you know, with the expenses involved in just running the website and, and everything else, and merchandise and things like that, uh, I don't think anybody at this point um, looks at it like uh, like any kind of steady income. It's more of a hobby thing, and, and you know, to to show appreciation back to the fans who have been so loyal and dedicated over the years, though, the whole thing exists to uh, to give something back to them. So. Uh, absolutely, like we, you know, like we said, a lot of people aren't well. People like myself were buying albums and CDs still because that's how we were raised. That's how we grew up. That's what we did. Uh, the younger kids don't do that today. But a lot of bands like yourself, you have a Kickstarter campaign going on right now, and a lot of the fans, especially old school fans like myself, they love it because they contribute. They feel like they're helping get music out by a band that they love. And in exchange, they get a cop instead of buying the CD, you're getting it, you know, for your fee. And there's a lot of other things that are being given out during these Kickstarter campaigns. You have one going on right now yourself for Hair Parent. Yeah, we've uh, we're I was able to to uh, to recover the master tapes from the first album uh, a couple of years ago, September of 2013, and got them digitized and everything, and uh, did a couple of rough mixes and threw it up on Facebook, and and all of a sudden uh, I get approached by Neil Kernan who offers to remix the album for us. And, uh, you know, it, it was pretty flattering the fact that, that's, you know, a, a Grammy award-winning producer would yeah. take an interest in wanting to do something like this. And, you know, back in the day, we were on a pretty limited budget with everything that we did. I think we spent $10,000 recording the entire album. So the idea of, of having professional production after all these years was, was pretty intriguing. And this Kickstarter campaign was about the only real avenue that we had to try to to achieve something like that, you know, testing, you know, kind of testing the market in terms of, you know, is there an audience out there who's who's interested enough to hear what these what these songs could be with uh, with you know world class production behind them? So, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a work in progress. We're we're kind of standing by to see if if people are interested in making something like that happen. So, yeah. You know, it would be kind of a dream come through. Come true. I've always wanted to know what what may have been had we had we got a major label deal back in the day and 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 had the opportunity to do something like that. But here, after all these years, uh, we may have an opportunity again. And it would be nice to to be able to do that and and at the same time maybe turn the music on to some people who have never heard it before. Absolutely. I don't think that album, I remember back in the day, it came out on Black Dragon Records. I don't think the album was ever re-released since that time. Maybe on bootlegs, like, you know, there's so many companies out there that just throw things out that you don't even know about. But I don't think the album's ever really been re-released, has it? In any way, well, shape, or form? It, the album was never released in uh, the United States. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we did the Black Dragon thing over in Europe, and... And then the reissues that we did in in 2000 through Hellion Records was based out of Germany, and uh, and then there was another uh, short limited edition run back in 2012 to support when we went over and played uh, the Metal Assault Festival. So aside from that, yeah, the album's never officially been released in the U.S. Uh, at all. So it, wow. you know, it, this would be a cool opportunity to uh, to get this thing done with uh, with Neil and then. You know, see what happens after the fact. That would be great. When you recorded the record back in the day, were there things that you weren't happy about with it? Because you say, I know you say it was a limited budget, but you know, also at that point in time, being your first record, you're so excited usually that a lot of things kind of 
get by you where you don't even notice it or realize it. You just want to get that record out there. But were you happy with the whole way the record turned out originally? Or was there things back then that you said, I wish we could have did this, but we just didn't have the money or the time to do it? Well, at time, you know, at the time we were we were very happy with it. I mean, I'm 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 still happy with it. I, I think I think Tom Hall did a great job. It's just the there's always been a question of the what if, you know, um, yeah. what what would happen with with uh, you know just a different perspective, uh, a different producer with a different perspective on you know maybe doing some creative things. We made some decisions uh, at the time in the studio with Tom based on trying to anticipate what what major labels might want to hear and you know because you know we were trying to get a trying to get a record deal at the time and and uh and then when the black dragon came along they took interest about halfway through the recording process and helped us uh helped us finish the album financially um and then even even then we took the tapes and and tried to get a u.s deal and uh at the time you know uh, poison was just taking off in in la and and the whole trend had changed down there and uh and it never it never came to be but you know i've always looking back i've always just wanted to know if we were in a position to to do something on a larger scale uh what might have been so yeah this is just you know this is just one of those things well i hope that all works i mean i think back at you know washington state even the seattle area back in the 80s i mean culprit you know metal church uh, queensryche fifth angel forced entry blood good there were so many bands so many great bands that came out of the era at the time it must have been an amazing scene to be a part of like especially in the early days when it was all kind of taken off but then it must also got rough in the 90s when everybody kind of associated with the grunge and the state that killed heavy metal for the whole world well it was it was kind of ironic. I mean, we were, you know, at the time we didn't really realize that our our scene in Seattle was was that big of a deal. I mean, everybody was Queensrÿche uh, kind of followed after Culprit. Culprit was the first local band to really get to vinyl with the U.S. metal uh, thing, and then you know we were all kind of playing the roller rinks and and uh, running sound for each other's bands and and uh, all being influenced by you know by Sabbath with Dio at the time. Uh, and then Maiden came out. Everybody was influenced by Maiden, and then, and uh, we were all trying to to figure out what we, you know, what we were doing. Um, and it is kind of funny to look back on it after all these years uh, post grunge and see that, uh, especially in Europe, uh, they view the the Seattle metal scene in the '80s as as this big, huge thing. And uh, I mean, it's it's great to be a part of that, but at the time, we didn't realize. That uh, that it would be viewed that way. We were always just, you know, we were just trying to make a living, trying to see if we could become professional musicians. Um, so, Queensrÿche got, you know, they 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 got the big break, and and uh, everybody else was uh, was trying to follow in those footsteps in one degree or another. Yeah. And the grunge thing yeah. happened, and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden Seattle's on the map nationally. Um, but it was a whole different thing, and it was it's kind of funny. It's like a band has to leave Seattle before Seattle gives it any respect, you know. Uh, <laughs> Hendrix had to go to England, and uh, and uh, even Pearl Jam had to go to New York. Uh, so by the time you know, Seattle doesn't think its own music scene is cool until somebody else around the world says it is. It's cool. Yeah, you know? that's funny. 
it, it's all wacky like that when you when you say it in that sense because like everybody thinks that you know a scene from somewhere else was so great because they see all the bands that came out of it over the years but not being a part of it like you're saying like you talked to a lot of these english bands from the way of british heavy metal like we didn't even know we were part of that scene we had no idea what you know what it was all about until other people started talking about it and i guess it's the same everywhere yeah yeah it's it, you know it, it it always seems you know you the local audience just never really takes takes notice until somebody else tells them it's cool. Hey, you guys don't know what you've got going in your own backyard, you know? Yeah. So. Well, what happened with the band back in the 80s that, you know, after the last record, I mean, we didn't hear anything about you guys for a while, and then it seemed to be over. Well, I, the band kind of, we, we uh, kind of had a parting of the ways um, during the recording of the second album. Uh, some tension started to develop. There were some financial issues. Um, I had got myself in quite a bit of debt, and uh, supporting uh, the, the demo projects and everything else, borrowed a lot of money from family and friends. The first recording, the first half of, of the first album, and and doing some demos along the way. And um, you know, I was uh, kind of desperately trying to get the band to become a partnership, to kind of share in some of the responsibilities, and. Uh, Ultimately, I guess, long story short, is is uh, somewhere along the line a decision was made that that hey, if we got rid of the guy holding the debts, we wouldn't have to pay them. So <laughs> I uh, I got replaced in my own band. So I I had to uh, I had to file a lawsuit just to be able to get you know ownership of the name again and, and try to get some of the old debts paid. So it it turned into an ugly ugly kind of mess for a year or two, and. Uh, you know, kids, kids wanting to be kids. I guess they they thought they could yeah. get another guitar player and, and waltz off into the sunset, and uh, didn't appreciate the fact that I was holding twenty thousand dollars in debts under the band's name. And you know, I wanted to be responsible to the people who had who had enabled us to uh, to do what we did at that point. So it got kind of messy for a while, and uh, I had to take them to court. And I got my lawsuit settled and. Uh, and paid off some debts on my own. I, in fact, I took uh, even the proceeds from the reissues when that finally came around in, in 2000. I was able to take the uh, majority of that money and, and pay back some additional debts. And, and I've, I've made sure that, that uh, I've tried to locate everybody who loaned the band money back in the day and pay those debts off myself personally just because I felt an obligation. For sure. That. And I've... You know, since uh, rekindled friendships with a couple of the guys, and you know, like I said, we, we did the thing in, uh, in Wacken in 2000, and and uh, a couple of us are on real good terms again. A couple of the other guys I still haven't spoke to. Ray and Derek and I talk regularly, and uh, you know, and you know, everybody kind of realizes we were kids at the time, and uh, we've all grown up to to some extent. So. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you can move on from that from there. Now with the Kickstarter campaign, if this happens and you get to go back in and, you know, and remaster these tunes, can we expect anything new by the band? Well, um, we've, we've been talking about doing new stuff uh, for a couple of years. The original guys, a couple of the original guys have, have talked about wanting to do new, new stuff. Um, and then there's also some, some, some guys locally that I'm working with to, to get Paul uh, back into the groove of things. And we have plans to write stuff. I've been wanting to write stuff for a long time, but again, it you know it, it's one of those things where you need to get everybody in the same room. So, 
at this point, after all these years, it's like the talk is cheap. If the guys can say whatever they want, but but uh, the proof's going to be what are the guys who are willing to get into the same room and really work on it. And uh, as soon as that starts to happen um, on a on a more regular basis, um, you know, then I, I fully intend to to write new stuff and, and come out with some new material. I've got plenty ah. of ideas. I mean, I can I can I can write without even really thinking about it. It's just a matter of uh, you know, getting everybody in the same room and having them being able to execute. So, oh, well, I hope that happens real soon. Terry, we only have a few minutes left in the show. I want to get on some music for people to hear, but tell everybody where they can go to find out about this Kickstarter campaign and contribute so we can, you know, we can make this happen and get you guys going in the right path. Well, there's a couple links. Uh, there's a link on the homepage of uh, airapparent.com. If you just go to www.airapparent.com, the homepage will have a uh, a Kickstarter campaign link right there, and uh, also there's uh, a an Air Apparent Facebook page, and uh, and my personal Facebook page. Which whether you, you know whether you've friended me or not, you can get uh, you can get the public world view to, that also has a link to the Kickstarter campaign. So we got about That's twenty great days to know. left. Yeah, yeah, we've got about twenty days left and a lot of money to raise to see if this thing comes to life. So. You know, hopefully we'll get over the hump and uh, and be able to to get some things going. We do have a few shows possibility possibilities to go to Europe for for three different shows in the next year, uh, pending pending a few financial things and uh, and seeing seeing what unfolds with this uh, with this project. So. I hope it works out for you guys, Terry. It's been my pleasure to have you on here today, and I'm looking forward to more music from you guys in the future. I'm looking forward to this Kickstarter campaign taking off and hearing that album all over again. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I really appreciate the support. Terry, anytime. Thank you very much. Take care now. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. All right. Great band. If you want to contribute a little bit of your money, you don't have to give them exactly what they're asking for, even if you only have a dollar, and uh, help these guys get the music out there. That way we get brand new music from Air Apparent over here. So let's do a little Masters of Invasion, and then I, we might have time for one more tune after that. We'll see, but here you go.
All right. I want to thank Terry. I want to thank Bruce. I want to thank Udo for being a part of tonight's show. I had a great time talking with everybody. I wish I had more time, but we're very limited here up to two hours. So we do the best we can. I want to remind everybody, tune in. It's blah, blah, blah. Tune in this Thursday to the Metal Matinee. It's a Merry Metal Valentine special. It's a bunch of sappy, heavy metal love songs. Uh, I do it every year. I dedicate the show to my wife. Unfortunately, when you have a 200 deck, you got to do stuff like that sometimes. So forgive me for all the hand metal we're going to be playing next week and all the light and the loofers metal, but we have to do it. It's Valentine's Day. And next Sunday night, Michael Lando from Adrenaline Mob is our guest. The guys in Road Vikings will be on here, a relatively new band who uh, bring back that classic biker rock and roll sound. And Fang Von Rothenstein from Lords of the Trident. So I'll see you guys next Sunday night. I want to thank everybody for listening and hanging out with me like always. I do appreciate it. One more week, and we'll have to get Tommy out of his rocking chair and get him back on the line with us. He's been taking a break this month and we've had a lot of guests. So that's the way it goes, but let's wrap up today's show with the band called Thatcher. The song is speed demon. I'll see you guys Thursday and uh, to Chiron the week after that, it's the wide world of metal. We're going to your hometown of Wales. We'll get on all the music we can fit for that show. It'll be 90% budgie, 10% everybody else. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody. There you go. Thatcher speed demon.
Watch your